Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site covering the Arizona Cardinals. With me is co-host Seth Cox from AvengeOfTheBirds.com, the SB Nation Arizona Cardinals site, and also one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. Uh, we're at episode 430. Minicamp is over, and we are now in the waiting. We are now waiting, waiting, waiting for things to happen. And so now it is content creation time, aggregation galore, lists and rankings, and, and, and soon enough, soon enough, we'll do... We'll do our um, divisional rankings. We'll do the opponent show previews, the opponent previews that'll be coming up in the next month or so. But yeah, Seth, this is this is where we have to stretch for for content, don't we? Yeah, it's not always the best, but it is what it is, and we go through this and try to get you know work done and and get into this and and try to <clears throat> try to get some some content out but also keep the discussion going about what you know what this is starting to look like and take shape as as, as best we can because you know as we've kind of alluded to throughout the off season this is new right so this is this is obviously going to be like 2018 or 2019 off season where we're trying to figure out and and in a way and and not in the negative way but in a way it's probably closer to 2018 off season yeah. where we really don't know anything about what's going on <laughs> because it's it's a first time head coach first time defensive coordinator first time offensive coordinator first time and so general it's just manager well and, and there was there was some sort of known commodity even with Clint of kings where you knew we knew kind of the concept of his offense vance joseph we you know vance joseph was a known commodity defensively steve kime had his you know tendencies on how he approached things so yeah definitely 2018 when um and in fairness, Cliff Kingsbury was not a first-time head coach. He was just a first-time head coach in the NFL. Right, and and so that's, you know, we're picking up things and kind of trying to figure out ways to continue to, uh, what is it, milk that, uh, milk that seed or whatever <laughs> they say. Um, and, you know, just working towards things, but it's, it's also good 
because it gives us a chance to conversate and, and talk about, you know, what's going on and what we know and, and where things are going. Absolutely. Um, what we're going to start with in this episode, basically uh, four topics. We, you know, Buddha Baker and some disrespect from some publications, um, rankings from pro football Fotness where they rank the Cardinals offensive line, their wide receivers, and and with the conclusion of the offseason program, OTA's minicamp, we'll kind of talk about what our biggest takeaways were. Um, I've got a couple of topics saved for the next show later on in the week, um, and then there, I'm sure we'll find other other content from elsewhere that we can discuss. So let's start off with Buda Baker. Um, we know and love Buda Baker. Uh, Cardinals fans know Buda Baker's great. NFL players, NFL head coaches believe Buda Baker is great, and Here's the thing. Um, nobody outside of Arizona, heck, a lot of people within Arizona, don't believe anything about the Cardinals this year. And so the Cardinals are, are getting woefully ranked across the board. Um, I think one of the big, there's two big snubs when it comes to Buda Baker recently. CBS Sports released their top 100 players. Buda did not make the list. He did make honorable mention. But more importantly, and I think which is more egregious, is touchdown wire. Doug Farrar, buddy of mine uh, from the network, but he put together a list of the NFL's top 11 safeties. Buda Baker did not make the cut, and he didn't make the cut in nine honorable mentions. So um, in the words of from, from Touchdown Wire, I guess, which is kind of based on specific measure, Buda Baker's not even a top 20 safety. What, what, what do you say to both of those, that Buda Baker not a top 100 player and Buda Baker not even a top 20 safety? I don't know. Um, you know, all of these guys have their own opinions and things like that. And as the great saying goes, opinions are like, I guess we can turn it down, buttholes. Everybody has one and they all stink. And so, <laughs> you know, um, it's not, you know, Doug's fault. He is, he's giving his opinion and, and he's paid to do so. And so I, you know, I disagree with it. Um, I don't have a problem with Buddha being outside um, the top five. After that, I think you're really kind of stretching. Um, you know, I would, you know, going through the list, we don't have to go through all the list, but like I would take him in the last couple of years, I would still take him over uh, Tyron Matthew. Matthew's, you know, phenomenal, but I would, I'd still take him over Matthew. I think he's a step above Matthew right now. I would take him over who's number five. I would take him over Javon Holland. Who's number six. I would take him over Kevin Byard, who is, I think is like seventh. taking a step seventh. Yeah. Who's taking a step back this year. Um, I think actually Jesse Bates is probably, too low on this list uh, for what his achievements have been lately. And then I would take him over to Sean Gibson, who's nine, um, Justin Simmons, 10 and, and, and uh, Vaughn Bell 11. So, I mean, you know, those are things. So if you want to say, you know, that the guys above him, you know, are, um, sorry, I'm getting back to, you know, Jordan Poyer at four, CJ Gardner, Johnson at three, um, Quandre Diggs. Quandre Diggs at two, and then make uh, a Fitzpatrick at one. That's fine. The interesting thing is this: I think 
the NFL has told us what they thought of CJ Gardner Johnson. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think the NFL has kind of told us what they think of Tyron Matthew. And, and I love Matthews, literally one of my favorite players of all time. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting that I feel like sometimes guys have takes on guys and, and so they, they kind of, cling to those takes you know what i'm saying like yeah. i'm not saying well it's interesting because if there's one thing we know because we know that the that the writers respect buddha we know that the fans the coaches and players because of the the pro bowl nods that he gets he's got you know he's got the all pro a couple years ago he he's always among either first team second team or he's close he's getting votes every single year for all pro however anything that's including any sort of analytic metrics. Pro Football Focus never wrote race up high, and as a result, uh, a lot of what like Doug Farrar does is is metrics-based on a lot of things. And Buddha never measures up analytically. Uh, he's It's very interesting because he's one of those... He's an impact football player without having high-end analytic metrics other than maybe grade yeah and that's something that you see you know in these situations i think sometimes people look at analytics a little too much and and things like that like it's also tough you know when you look at it for a guy like buddha playing on one of the worst defenses in the nfl and this is something you know you and i have talked about right about when this trade request or pay me situation came up it's it's not a shot at buddha because i do think he's a top seven safety in yeah. the nfl it's the fact that even a top i mean think about that list um obviously the steelers have a great defense fantastic defense after that you know the correlation of um and again, how, what, what are we basing the rankings on? You know, this, that, or the other. Um, you know, defensive performance, so to speak, is is what you kind of look at. And and when you look at the, I guess that like, I don't know if you want to look at like DVOA, for instance, and you know, the defense, the defensive rank DVOA. Tennessee's ranked one, I believe. I could be wrong. Don't shoot me if I'm wrong. I think Tennessee was one. San Francisco was two. Buffalo was three. Miami was four. All their safeties are in this ranking. That That's not a coincidence, right? Because, like, when, when you have really good players in front of you it makes your job easier and it also makes you look better and you'll notice something about almost all of these guys um these are all so buddha gets used a bit from what we can we we know about the cardinals he's used it appears to be in a greater variety of ways than these particular safeties they're used um more specifically for coverage as opposed to, well, Buddha does stuff in coverage, but they use him a lot of different ways as well. Um, 
and a lot of the impact that he that he makes is the fact that he erases other other mistakes because of the way he the speed with which he plays the game. And so that you'll notice these are are higher end coverage guys. Um, Buddha can Buddha can keep up with pretty much anyone. The one thing he does have at the disadvantage of is obviously his height and length, which make him a disadvantage for you know that we we've seen the battles with George Kittle and how they go both ways. Um, but you'll notice a trend with pretty much the guys across this list. Uh, they're not as the, like the versatile safeties who can, who blitz or, or or play more in the box. Um, they do a they they are stronger in coverage. In fact, what I was I was kind of shocked to see Jerwin uh, James only received honorable mention in this list. Yeah, and I was going to mention that too. You know, the other thing I think this shows us. And I'd love to get your opinion on this is that the rankings don't necessarily reflect the um, financial compensation Correct. of these guys, right? And so I think that's an interesting way to kind of look at it as well. Is you've got, excuse me, you've got every you know player or or group in this situation and, and if you just look at safeties because they don't break it down into you know um they don't break it down into free and strong and the 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 overall ability to disseminate the two are so different now you know because they line these guys up everywhere but you look at it you know you mentioned it derwin james is the number one ranked and and we'll use just average yearly salary um, but Derwin James is number one at 19 million. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick is number two, and he's you know Doug's top guy. Number three is Jamal Adams at almost 18 million. Number, you <laughs> Jamal, know, I mean, granted, Jamal Adams has kind of fallen off a cliff. We'll see what happens with his health this year. Right, and then number four on the paid list is Harrison Smith, who's you know making 16 million a year, and then. Justin Simmons is five and, and Buda Baker six in payment. And then after him is Eddie Jackson, who again, not on the top 11 list. You also have, uh, you know, then you have Kevin Byard, then you have Marcus Williams, by the way, guess who's number uh, like 10 or 11 on this list. Jalen Thompson. So when you look at, the average salary, and I know that's a fickle way to do it with how, you know, everybody kind of manipulates the cap consistently. Um, it's really interesting just to look at it and say, oh, this is uh, the Cardinals, based on what Doug Farrar believes, are severely overpaying their safeties. Right. <laughs> like... <laughs> Severely, it, it, interestingly, and in, in the top one hundred, um, seven safeties cracked that list, and that includes a guy like Harrison Smith. Um, some of the names on there make sense; Meekins in there, um, but but yeah, it, the the names that make the the Pete Prisco's top one hundred are more of the household names, and 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 if you have seven safeties in the top 100 including Harrison Smith who is number 7 i think he comes at number 98 it makes sense 
uh, why Buddha might not be in the top 100. Because it, it, as as a player uh, across the NFL, I wouldn't put him in like the top 50. I'd put him in the back half, kind of, you know, in the 70, 75 range. But that's not not against anything in Sabuda. It's about where he ranks as a safety one and two, where safeties rank and impact as a player. Yeah, and I think those are those are again really difficult to kind of disseminate because I still do feel like this is a a slight to Buddha. Uh, I, absolutely. Well, and I frame it like this: um, the top one hundred. Okay, it's hard to get any Cardinals on that list this year based on what things are happening. I kind of get that, but to say that you wouldn't even put Buddha in the top twenty of 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 safeties that just feels like a, a a gross oversight like did you just forget that he, did we forget about the cardinals because they're terrible and then you just overlook him yes that's that's just kind of what it feels like because like, i mean i mean you've got like grant delpit a guy that we like coming out of college has grant delpit done anything in the nfl yet right exactly and and so you know it's just an interesting I don't know, man. Like, I just, I just feel like there's a lot of times that you're that that people think too much about this and, and like try to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Different. You know what I'm saying? Like, they try too hard to be different, <laughs> and and or you know, penalize a guy for being on a bad team, but. You know, at the same time, if that's the thought of Buddha, then that would cu- kind of explain why nobody else wants to uh, trade for him, right? Because why would they want to give up anything valuable? I guess so. Although I will say, you know, that's probably in part because the Cardinals had said, no, we're not going to trade him. But coming to next on the Rise of Seward podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the time to talk about offseason rankings. We'll start with the offensive line and the Cardinals get slighted a little bit again. That's coming to next on Rise of Red. We're back on the Rise of Seared podcast. Best of Cardinals talk on the web. Off-season rankings. Pro football focus does them, and that gives us all sorts of things. We will rank the offensive lines in the NFC West, plus players, yada, yada, yada. But um, as you can expect, the Cardinals do not rank highly. But with a unit that feels like it's perhaps one of its strengths, it's ranked woefully low, and they have them ranked 31st in the NFL, um, down from seven, down seven from previously, um, ahead of only the Tennessee Titans, who remained dead last. I, I will say this in terms of the, um, <laughs> this things, the Cardinals seem to have an entire offensive line built from left tackles, uh, with rookie Paris Johnson Jr. like a shoehand, shoehorned in at guard, and Josh Jones back to riding the bench after breakout year in 2022. You know, they had 44 penalties as a unit. They were the most penalized offensive line in the NFL. DJ Humphreys, um, through his eight games last year, had had no sacks allowed. They do project Johnson as their starting left guard, which I'm going to question. I, I know that's when you look at it on paper outside of the, like, it makes sense. You still got veteran Calvin Beecham who could slide right in the right tackle. Then you're looking, oh, they need a left guard. So Paris Johnson makes sense there. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to be Paris Johnson at right tackle. I think it's going to be 
I think it's going to be a battle between the trio of Josh Jones, uh, Dennis Daly, and Elijah Wilkinson, um, who will batter for that left judge. And, and, and I'll be honest, I think Josh Jones's spot on the roster is tenuous at best, uh, considering the number of offensive linemen with guaranteed salary this year. Kelvin's Jump Beecham's salary is fully guaranteed. Elijah Wilkinson has 940000 of his salary guaranteed. Dennis Daly got a two-year deal with 400000 guaranteed this of guaranteed salary this year. Josh Jones is going to find, but that said, you know, I guess it does sort of make sense in some ways, why you would put the Cardinals fairly low. After all, their starting center right now is Yelda Froholt, and left and left guard is a question mark. And then so you're left with DJ Humphreys coming off an injury. Will Hernandez, who, you know, perhaps had his best year last year, and Calvin Beecham, who is is aging but steady. Um, there's there isn't really anything to get excited about that line other than the the the, the potential of Johnson, right? Yeah, I think that's that's what you look at. I think if Johnson starts at right tackle and Jones starts at left guard, you feel you just feel a little bit more excited. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work, but I just feel like you are more excited, right? Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, it, it you know. Yes, you want your you want your young tackle playing tackle. <laughs> Essentially, right. you basically that. And and I I still really really like DJ Humphrey, so I believe he's a quality left tackle, and he's he brings to the table a lot of things in terms of leadership and play that you want for the unit as well. Um, how comfortable so left guard center how. Would you say those are probably the largest question marks and probably are glaring weaknesses on the line? I mean, obviously, there's there's the question of the center position, and then you have to acknowledge that there's the reality and the question of if whether it's left guard or right tackle, a, a rookie starting, right? And then obviously, again, with... Um, then obviously with, you know, if it is Josh Jones at left guard and, and Paris at right tackle, you still have to figure out if these guys are good at those positions. Right. right? That, like, that is true because we've never seen Josh Jones. Josh Jones has never played left guard. Technically, Paris has never played right tackle. He's played tackle. He's played the right side of the line. But Josh Jones has only played, you know, right tackle and and a little right. some right guard as well so that that'd be well and in fairness too yell yell the froholt's only got four games of center under his belt in his career as well so it's a this is fun now the, a team right ahead of them is the is the seahawks and they have you know entering last year there were big question marks as they had to, they had start they had rookies at both tackle positions those turned out really well. Charles Cross, Abe Lucas, turned out to be very nice. Lucas was was especially surprising at right tackle. Yeah, and you have to look at it. You have to look at it and say they're 
their tackles offer more upside at this point, and Damian Lewis is their best player. So three positions as opposed to, you know, the way they have it listed one for the Cardinals. I mean, I'd say the two positions seem pretty solid with with DJ and and Will. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, I mean, so that's that's the thing is you look at it is, you know, in this stage, would you take Cross or, or Humphreys? Well, I think the answer would be Cross because while you probably would start DJ this year, there's a reason they took Paris Johnson, right? Like you understand that he's kind of closer to the the back end of his career than he is right now. Um, but you know, I don't know. It's th- these are always so subjective, anyways. <laughs> and you know, and like, we know, and we know, the Cardinals are going to rank lowly because they're the Cardinals, and they're and, and, and in fairness, the offense around the offensive line impacts how one views the offensive line. Well, but let me ask you this: like, if you're if you're making this list and you look at like the L.A. Rams. Who who on the L.A. Rams is better than a Cardinals projected starter right now? Like maybe their right tackle? Maybe have, so- Havenstein, yes. Uh, Avila, because you can pencil him in at left guard, you you probably, like, if he, if he had been drafted by the Cardinals, you'd be like, he's left guard, right? They, he, you slide him in easily right there. But it's interesting because Nopum might not be their left tackle. It might be Larry Jackson. Brian Allen right now is might not start <laughs> at center either. They're right. looking at and Coleman so- Shelton there, who played center mostly there. M- mind you, Coleman Shelton, who is a former Cardinals practice squad guy. Right, and that's that's you know those are why I I don't get too bent out of shape about them. I, I look at it more as like they are in the right grouping. They're in the bottom third of the league, and I think that's a fair assessment right now. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Coming up next on the Rise Up Seaward podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move on and talk about another group position group, the wide receivers where they rank in the NFL. That's coming up next on Rise Up Seaward. We're back on the Rise Up Seaward podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Wide receivers. Cardinals group. Had you, it was a much more comfortable group not too long ago um, when it came to when it came to having uh, DeAndre Hopkins. However, where do they rank? They rank quite low, of course. <laughs> As is the trend with the Arizona Cardinals this offseason. They are at the bottom or near the bottom of every single grouping list. They're not dead last. They're not second to last, but they are number 28. Now, I'd say this is pretty fair um, because they have major question marks. We saw Hollywood Brown play like a number one receiver through the first six games of the season. We've seen flashes of Rondell Moore, Greg Dortch, um, but yeah. The, their top three receivers right now are tiny receivers. And 
you if you want to as pass catchers, you want to figure in Zach Ertz and, and Trey McBride, and then you've got Zach Pascal. Um, you don't expect major numbers from him, but I, if if he has a role on offense, we've seen we, we've seen him twice in his career have more than six hundred yards. But yeah, I, there isn't much about this receiver group that brings fear to any opposing defense, other than the fact they are fast. So Hollywood and more give you elite speed, but. Moore hasn't done much. It hasn't been utilized in a way to scare defenses yet. No. <laughs> no, and, you know, even though Marquise Brown was on a huge trajectory last year, he hasn't lived up to that, right? And he hasn't been able to do it for a full season and stay healthy. So all of those things factor into this. Like, I think Brown can be a, a legitimate wide receiver one, but he hasn't done it. Um, you know, so you, you, you can't just be like, Oh yeah, because immediately with the wide receiver ranking questions comes, okay, who's their top receiver. And so if you rank Brown is like at best hmm? is a middle of like, at best. Yeah, 15 to 17, 18 range. As a number one receiver. Yeah, as the number one receiver, as number ones only. Then you go, okay, well, who's their number two? And then right there, when you don't even know who their number two is, that immediately takes them <laughs> down. takes them down so low. And so you're like, okay, so you have two intriguing smaller guys and, in, in, you know, consistently injured Rondell Moore and priority or, you know, undrafted free agent who's, what, third year in the league and finally had, like, a, a productive season in Greg Dortch. So, I mean, it's just one of those situations. It's a fair ranking, and I'm actually surprised that there are four teams below them. <laughs> and, well, I will say this. If you look at the, the – you, uh, you look at the Titans, they've got Trail and Burks. But the truth is, you've never heard of any other receivers on their team, and that's right. what like now that changed them if they signed DeAndre Hopkins. But you can see why they made a, such a big push for DeAndre Hopkins is because they have Traylon Burks, and then guys you've never heard of. Have you heard of Kyle? I haven't heard of Kyle Phillips, Nick Wick, Westbrook, Yakini, uh, a name I'm not even going to uh, attempt because he's a tight end. But but yeah yeah Oko Oko Wonko <laughs> yes um, you know well and, and th those guys and, behind them because you don't have a true now you've got the Carolina Panthers don't have a true number one right that that's that's proven it uh, the Houston Texans definitely like if Robert Woods is your number one then then you're in a you're in a tough spot the Patriots. You know, it's interesting because I think, it's I, I, I because think the of, Patriots would go above Arizona, I think. I think it's because the uncertainty surrounding Juju. Because isn't there some questions if he if he's going to be able to play this year? I think I saw something on that. If I'm wrong, I apologize. Uh, but I swear I saw something the other day about Juju's having some injuries. Well, interestingly still. enough, because it doesn't, it, it's that's not mentioned in this spot is that they they replaced Jacoby Myers with Juju Smith-Schuster 
and and while you know i guess hollywood i guess hollywood has a higher ceiling for a number one than juju uh though juju has had you know more production over a while but i i would say that their their supporting cast might be better than like probably you'd trust them more than you would the cardinals you know yeah guys and, and- and the Mike, what is his name? Mike Giardi uh, for NFL.com. He was the one that said it. He's still dealing with a knee issue. Uh. So, and he didn't play that well last year either, you know, playing in in the best offense in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, I get it a little bit, but yeah, I mean, Tennessee, Carolina, Houston all belong below them right now. I think New England's a coin flip. And then from there, it's, again, the same thing. Like, Indianapolis has Michael Pittman and, and Alec Pierce, who are intrigues, intriguing guys. The Packers have Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, who are intriguing guys. The Giants have um, Darius Slayton and, and Sterling Shepard when healthy. So, like, those are all intriguing guys. And if you like them more than Marquise Brown, then you're like, oh, I'm going to give them the – the nod over, you know, just one guy. So, and that be that that becomes really important than how they what the production they get from their tight ends, a healthy Ertz, a healthy McBride, and then what can they get out of Michael Wilson? And now, if you listen to this, if you guys listen to the solo show, uh, I, I kind of went over the the worry about counting on Michael Wilson so much as a rookie. There's a lot to oh, like one, about it, but come one hundred percent counting <laughs> on him is a huge thing. They, yeah. the, 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 the hype train right now, just let, let's slow that down because yeah, he's it. When he said he's light, light years ahead of where he was in rookie mini camp, that's really not saying anything. It just means that he was lost in rookie mini camp. <laughs> he yeah, might not be but, completely lost now. But like we were saying earlier, like there's not a whole lot of positive going on right now. So you got to create positive in in that situation still. And I think that's how they're doing it. Coming up next on the Rise of Secret podcast, Mr. Cron is talking about, we will wrap things up for our last segment, takeaways from the off-season program that's coming up next on Rise of Secret. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast of a Star Cardinals talk on the web, talking about what we took away from the offseason program for the Arizona Cardinals, which means, you know, they had the offseason workouts, then they had OTAs, they had their first minicamp OTAs, and then mandatory minicamp. Um, I think probably the biggest storyline across the board, um, aside from Buda Baker, when we're talking about football, was um, the where we saw... Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins playing. And Simmons, who now officially is a safety. Whatever that means in terms of usage, because guess what? You know, the 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 question that I I poked fun of in the last show when I was on the solo show is, uh, what will the defense look like with Buddha, Jalen Thompson, Isaiah Simmons on the field at the same time? Like, that was the last two years. Um, But Simmons to safety... Zayvon Collins getting a lot of work off the edges outside linebacker. Those probably are, for me, the biggest takeaways because there's anything that we can get out of that is that, okay, that two of their most important defensive players appear to have mo- be moving. Yeah, and, you know, I was looking at it, you know, how they used Isaiah last year, and, and you know, they, I don't know 
how much it's necessarily going to change outside of, you know, maybe it's going to be labeled as he's playing safety as opposed to linebacker. Obviously with David, I think it's just going to be a whole different ball game for him. Um, and we'll see, we'll see how he does and how he fits in with it. Yeah. Um, second takeaway for me, uh, this off season was, was the, well, we, we, we learned about Colt McCoy's mystery injury that it's not major. He, they worked him up with an elbow, but I can't remember who it was. Someone on ESPN said it was, I don't know if they were reporting it. I don't know where they got it from, but suggesting that Colt McCoy would not be ready for the start of the season. Like, wait, wait, what? He was practicing. That's going to be fine. And the fact that DJ Humphreys worked himself back onto the field, uh, that he avoided surgery and, and that appears that he's on track with everything. So for me, eh, were those two very important injuries because we don't know how far along Zach Hurts or Kyler Murray is. Correct. And those are important things. And, you know, we'll see how it all kind of plays out. But right now we just know that, like you said, like the main kind of, you know, obviously tight end position is different, but the main guys expected to potentially play over them in this situation um, are healthy and ready to go. And that's, and that's a big part of what's going on right now because you know they just got to continue to to get ready and get prepared for the for um next season and and you know get ready to put a competitive product on the field knowing that right now they're they're thin on talent right so it's going to be a scheme driven scheme heavy situation and and having guys that are going to play a role in that early healthy and practicing is I don't want to say the most important thing possible, but it's one of right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, from all the comments that we've heard, we don't know what actual play calling will look like, but running the ball will be a focus. That's another mild takeaway for what we can get take from from this what what are some of the things that have stood out to you personally i just think it's that they're trying different things you know they're they're changing the culture and perception of what they want to do and that's not surprising i mean you look at where petzing comes from you know offensively his backgrounds with whether it's you know minnesota or or cleveland those are those are offenses that do a lot of things from the pocket. Those are offenses that do a lot of thing with with play action under center, um, and and from the in the running game. And now maybe you can get a quarterback that's even better at doing that stuff, right? Um, or has more talent or high end ability to do that stuff. And maybe you know you see that that growth. Um. I think this is across the board for the off scene is, is the changed narrative about Kyler Murray where he's been present. Everything that is coming out of Cardinals camp is positive. There's no more weird reports of that. And, you know, the, the message 
that we're hearing from teammates and coaches is how hard he's hitting his rehab, which, and I'm going to say this again, I've said it a few times, the notion that the Cardinals are going to keep Kyler out of the lineup longer than is necessary for him to be ready to play. I really think that they will that Kyler is putting is going to force the issue because I think for what they've done if what they've done this offseason it would go sour the 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 gains that they've made and the, the love the respect the the buy-in that Kyler has if they shut him down when he's healthy to play I think that will I think that will have a negative effect on him and the relationship with the team moving forward yeah, and I would agree with that situation and, and that assessment of that situation. And so while they're not going to rush I, him I, back, he's going I, to push to come back and they'll be forced to play him when he's ready. I do also think that there's one big thing and, and you know, there's also always the potential that this is just off-season hype speak. But... I think the accountability talk coming out of out of this offseason work and camp kind of shows us that this is a different situation than what we were seeing in with uh Cliff and and Kime in there and that's Yeah, especially the last 2 years because I I think I don't think there was anything wrong with how Cliff handled things in 2019 and 2020. But once they experienced the success and they tried to put the team together differently, I think that's where things they, the approach didn't work when they didn't have more enforced accountability, more coach-driven accountability, um, where Gannon's not afraid to do that. And then... The, <laughs> I love, and I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say I said it on the show. I've said it on the radio uh, on AM 1060. Uh, you know, Jonathan Gannon gives me not the like the non-annoying, non-a-hole version of John of Jim Harbaugh, like a kinder, gentler Jim Harbaugh, but just yeah. as just as competitive. Right, and I think that's accurate. Anything else of note that you would like to point out for the off-season program? Uh, the, the old guy is back, right? Aaron Brewer. Yes, he is. That then, so yeah, that, that's the other thing. So two thirds. So no more Andy Lee, but Matt Prater's back here and Brewer's back and got a new punter, Matt Hawk. Yeah. So we'll see how that all kind of goes with Prater, Brewer and, and Hawk now, right? Yep. Which means. Hopefully, Hawk is a good holder because Prater, if anything's off kilter, he became a bad kicker. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, and they signed him for two more two more years. Oh man, we'll wrap this edition of the of the Rise of Sierra podcast. Best our Cardinals talk on the web. We'll wrap this up. Uh, whether we have a show with Seth or another solo show for me later in the week, that's coming up this week. Uh, we will try and churn out more contact. In the meantime, hit the revengeofthebirds.com, carswire.com, and listen to Seth's podcast, the original Draft Breakdown podcast. I'm Jess Root. That's Seth Cox. Thanks for listening, as always.
Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.